song that is about the blood of Jesus Christ washing us away from our sin. And you know it is uh, has a 100% efficacy rate um, towards all those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Don't have to worry about any breakthrough cases of people losing their salvation. You're set and made secure in Christ and saves all of the perfect antidote to our sin. And uh, to God's grace, we give the glory. Um, John chapter 17, the message I talked about it last week, about what I was preaching today, is something that's very important, um, something I really want you to listen carefully to, um, not that it's going to be hard to pay attention to, uh, at least I hope not, but it's a very important uh, message for some really grasses of church. Um, John chapter 17, verse 14, and it's the second part of the Lord's Prayer, um, the real Lord's Prayer, um, not the model prayer where he taught us how to pray, um, where that, that what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer was not his prayer. He did not have to say, Lord, Father, forgive me for my sins. Um, that was something he was given as a model for us, and not to be said in vain repetition either, but he was saying in this manner, in this likeness, to pray. And so, but this is the part, second part of the Lord's actual prayer. Um, not that the prayer was divided in two sections, it's just we couldn't get through it all in one message. And so, this is part two for how we are breaking it down. But in chapter 17 of John, in verse 14, it says, I have given them thy word, and the world have hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the lover of thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. So here we have the Lord Jesus Christ praying to the heavenly Father, to his um, Father, to our Father, to the Creator um, of the world. 
And he talks about how he's given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And so he says, I gave them thy word. That Jesus has given him the words of God. And interestingly, Jesus is the word of God. When the Bible talks about how in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word of God, the word was God. And Jesus is the very word of God. And he came and he declared the words of God. And then we see that the world hated him. Hated him. And, and that even would hate them as well. That the world have hated the, the people he gave the word to because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Notice that Jesus says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so Jesus' prayer to the Father was not for them to be isolated from the people of the world, but to abstain from the evil of the world. His desire wasn't that they would set up some type of Amish community and be completely separate, separate where they're never involved with what's going on in the rest of the world. But he did pray that they would be kept from the evil. You know, we are not meant to be an isolated people. We're meant for community. You know, an English doctor built an experimental room where one could get away from everyone. After what's gone on over the last two years, I think a lot of people are seeing that, man, they want to get back together. You know, they want to get back socializing and, and being together. And um, now the, maybe the introverts, maybe they enjoyed the last two years. Maybe it was heaven to them. But I think most of them probably felt pretty lonely and did not like it, as before, they at least had the benefit of an extrovert person inviting them in. Now when they're isolated, they're really end up being an introvert. But um, an English doctor built the room so that someone could become completely separated from everybody else, to spend days separated from everyone, in a place where it'd be completely quiet. It was an experiment to try to show that it could be, be this kind of peace. But it showed the opposite. His quiet place was about nine feet by nine feet by seven and a half feet. It was a soundproof room suspended by nylon rope at the top of a large building. Each volunteer was equipped with padded fur gloves and heavy woolen socks to reduce the sensation of touch. Each was given translucent goggles over his eyes to eliminate pattern vision. Volunteers were observed through a one-way screen, but they could not see out, and so they'd be put in just one person's time, and mills were eaten inside of the isolation box. After an hour or more, they observed that most of the time people's concentration would be lost. Then uh, 
another hour there would be this feeling of anxiety and then feelings of panic. Many could not stand the aloneness for more than five hours. They were done with it. So it wasn't like they just went away and went to sleep. They were here in this room all by themselves. So it wasn't like they went to see, go on a long hike, and then just kind of sit there and observe the creation of God and hear the birds and the sounds of nature. No, this was pure silence. It was miserable. God has not designed us as people to be isolated, and He has not designed the church to be isolated either. Now, this does not mean that the church partners with the world. You know, the Bible talks about love not the things that be of the world. Talking about the sin of the world. But we are to isolate us and to stay away from all things of the world. It's a church we become ineffective in being salt and light. As Daniel read in the scripture reading where we're to, we are the salt, we are the light of the world. But we become ineffective when we as a church completely isolate ourselves from the non-Christian community. As a church body, yes, we gather together at a set time to come apart, to worship, to hear the Word of God, to be sanctified through um, the truth of God's Word. And yes, some of us will educate our children separately from the government schools, whether it be homeschooling or going to a Christian school, and on good scriptural grounds. As the, as the Bible does say, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And you see a lot of schools today, what, what they're producing has not been a healthy thing for um, Christians. When children only get an education from Caesar's schools, with no parental oversight, no parental um, involvement, it's not a surprise that they would come out as Romans. You know what they come out is? They are designed to come out. Nevertheless, beyond that, if we, if, if we perpetually isolate ourselves, we're not going to be a salt that is that savor to the world that we're to be. We're not going to be that lighthouse that is to be shining towards the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ being the true light, so that people can come out of the darkness if we're isolated. If we isolate ourselves only in the walls of this building, we don't need to isolate ourselves in our own clubs, in our own sports activities, our own events, where we are always isolated from unbelievers. Again, yeah, Jesus prayed not that we would be taken out from the world, but the evil of it. Likewise, we don't all need to move to Florida because it seems perfect there. Amen. We need some people in Washington State amen, with the gospel life. We don't need to be infected by the evils of our culture, but we do need to be actively engaged in our culture. John 17, verse 18, Jesus said, As thou hast sent me into the world, 
Okay, the Bible says Jesus was sent into the world, and the Bible says he was separate from sinners, in the sense that he was separate from participating in the sin. But he was not separate in the sense of isolating himself from people. Now the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, they condemned him for that. They got him, they said, you know what, you're eating with these people. Don't you know that this woman is a sinner? Don't you know about these, don't you know about all of these people's sins? If you were a prophet, you would know better than that. But he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to minister to sinners. He said, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so while Jesus was separate from sin, he was not separate from the people. He came to minister. And he says, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. I love his disciples talking about the believers that, Father, as you sent me, even so have I sent them into the world. He didn't send us into a world to then try to escape. He sent us in the world to be in the world, but not of it. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 10, 3, Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Now he knew it was going to be challenging. He knew there was going to be the enemy wanting to devour and destroy them. But yet he sent them in his lambs. Think about the response to the pandemic. Regardless of whether you are pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, or just feel like there should be more research um, before, before any of it would be forced, or just pro, whether you're pro or anti-mandate, um, regardless of what you may feel regarding the whole matter, can we all at least acknowledge that there are those that do strongly believe in the power of the vaccine to stop the COVID-19 pandemic. There are those that are putting all their faith in that the vaccine is the answer to prevent them from dying. Globally, billions of dollars have been spent on the vaccine alone. The estimate I just read this morning was that by the end of the year, it will be over $100 billion spent on the vaccine research and education. Amen. Just that alone. This is not talking about all the masks, all the other type of protective gear, all the plexiglass. It's not even talking about any of that. Just the vaccine itself. Over a hundred billion dollars will have been spent by the end of the year. There are genuine, sincere people who really believe in the efficacy of the vaccine, and some of them in some locations are even going door to door. They're going house to house. Never had anyone come my door about it here in Lewis County. Maybe there's some of you have, but I have some pastor friends that they mentioned. 
They had him actually come to the door, wanted to tell him about the vaccine, about the benefits of it, and how it could be a help to him. They wanted to go around globally to educate, encourage people to get the vaccine. They believe in their cause. And know what they're doing about it? They're taking action. They're, they're going in to the highways and the exits. They're telling people about it. And I'm not talking about the mandate or anything about that. I'm just talking about there's some people, they really believe in it, and so they are spreading the info about it. Again, Jesus said in John 17, 18, if thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And you know, there was a purpose, a reason that Jesus has sent us, not to just live isolated, but sent us into the world to communicate a message. Meanwhile, there is a pandemic of souls dying and going to hell every day. And yet there is an antidote, the only antidote, the blood of Jesus Christ, that has a 100% efficacy to save those who believe the good news of the gospel of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. May we stop and reflect and really think about it as we see those that are really promoting the vaccine hard and going house to house, spreading the word everywhere. May we reflect on the one good news that's found in Jesus Christ that has a 100% rate of giving eternal life to those who believe the gospel so they don't die and go to hell. How are we personally being involved? And getting that message out. Not saying, hey, how are other churches doing it? How is our church doing it? Where are our shortcomings? There's a lot more people in Navarrete than there are people in here. And they're saying there's some other churches, but even those churches are not full. How are we doing in getting the message of the gospel out? If you can't say amen, say ouch. We all have our opinions again about the COVID-19 pandemic, the vaccine itself, the federal, the Washington state government vaccine mandates. We all have our opinions about it. Our opinions about various political issues, our thoughts about different politicians. So much so that our family and friends know where you stand on it. They know what you believe. Even if you've come to a terms where you no longer talk about it with your family or friends, they know where you stand. Been passionate about it to some point, to some extent. But what have they heard from you about Jesus? What have they heard about the peace that abides in you, that passes all understanding? The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, this is the main thing. All these other things, you know what? They're not as important. I can say, I came to know nothing but one thing. Now it's Jesus Christ. Paul didn't say, these many things I dabble in. He said, this one thing 
I do. Says um, 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 the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And one focus. Doesn't mean don't be involved in other things. Doesn't mean don't be involved in politics. And you know what? A lot, a lot of corruption we do see in politics is in part to blame. Is because Christians have said, "Hey, you know what? Don't be involved." And you know what? The world's been involved, and they've overtaken. And that's why you often wouldn't see good moral-based policies. Because Christians have been absent largely from that sphere. We need good, godly Christians as governors, as um, heads of different school um, agencies, as, um, as the president, as vice president. We need good, godly Christians. By having the Bible talks about when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. And so we shouldn't be taking a complete absence approach from that field in our government. However, what is our focus? You could try to turn someone into a liberal Democrat or into a conservative Republican, an independent, whatever. But you convert them to that. What could have you done if they have not turned to faith in Christ? America won't always be. This world won't always be. I'm not saying don't keep fighting for as long as you can. But you know, we need to fight for people's souls more than we are for them to agree with our policy beliefs. And sometimes some will question, okay, how do we get out? How do we um, go out these walls? And um, when, the, you know, the government's even been saying, you know, even in some places around the world, stay home. Stay home. Don't get out. And even in our country where they were saying for churches not to meet. And what about their mandates on social distancing? Please remember, we have one mandate that's supreme. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power, all authority belongs to Jesus Christ. He gives us a mandate as believers. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you, always given unto the end of the world. Amen. Jesus tells us to go. Not once, not twice, many times. No, Mark 16, 15. It says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're not going to be doing that for just staying isolated all the time. 
And we're not going to do that if the only place we preach is behind a pulpit inside of a church building. We need to be out there spreading the message. Yes, I know, again, our country for a time and around the world still is, have said to the church, don't meet. They haven't even just said don't meet. They basically said, stand there in the corner and be quiet. You're not an expert. You can't talk about things. Just stay quiet. Only the woke, they say, can be bold. Only civil disruptors can be bold and march in the streets. That they were freely able to even go out and riot and then be told that they're just exercising their First Amendment rights. But then whenever Christians or even other conservatives would get together, they would say, that's going to be a super spreader event. It's all an agenda. All agenda based. So what are we supposed to do? Get the gospel out. We have a greater mandate that Jesus has given us. And you see it. You know, you see the world. They're bold. They're in the streets. They're out there harassing politicians that won't vote the way they want them to vote. And I'm not telling you that we need to go out and harass people. I don't think that's right. Okay, you know, there's a proper way um, to talk to our government leaders. And it's not even with the popular slogan that's going on today. Yes, I get it. I understand. But as Christians, you know, we're called to pray for our leaders. Pray for our government leaders that we may live a peaceable and quiet life. And do what you can to be involved, but don't neglect the gospel. They say, told us to sit in the corner and be quiet. Thousands, millions of us Christians have willingly sat in the corner to see what happens. It's time to get back in the streets. It's time to get back out there engaging the culture. Just turn on the television show. Turn on football. They have thousands of fans already together. Already assembled. Greater than the size of almost every church in the world. We need to get back at it. And get the gospel out. It's time that we get back going house to house. Attending community events. To boldly declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, there's times where, you know, we'll have special events at the church, whether it would be a harvest party or something like that, of that nature, or we'll do special events in the church, but we need to be actively involved in community events, events out in the world. You know, the world isn't coming here seeking after God. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. We're to go into the world. Jesus said, I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. We are chosen to be soul winners. We're chosen to be soul winners. So what is a soul winner? What is a soul winner? 
is someone who tells others about Jesus Christ. The fruit is that some souls will be saved, having been one in Jesus Christ. And you give the word of God, you teach people that, hey, we're all sinners, we all come short of the glory of God. You tell them about how Jesus died, was buried, and made the path for salvation for us. And some of them will believe. Some of them will be that good soil where the word of God penetrates, and they believe the gospel. You've led someone to the Lord. You didn't do the saving. Jesus does all the saving. But did God use you as a vessel to lead someone, to win someone in Jesus? That's what a soul winner is. That's what we all need to strive to be. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that win of souls is wise. He that win of souls is wise. And to do that, you need to be actively engaging people. Not just coming to church on Sunday. Not to just live your faith on Sundays in church. But to be out in the world living your faith, but not just living your faith, because if you are living your faith, you'll be a doer of your faith as well in speaking the oracles of God, speaking the word of God, sharing the gospel with other people. A Christian who refuses to win souls is like a doctor who refuses to do surgery when on duty. Or a pilot who refuses to fly a plane. Can you imagine a pilot takes up off, starts flying, and just says all of a sudden, all right, I'm not flying anymore. Take away all the modern technology where they're able to self-fly in many cases. Okay, what does it say that? They're just going to turn that off. Pilot is going to do their job. But it's what it's like when a Christian is not actively sharing their faith with others. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul recognized his sinfulness. He understood that there was a time where he was having Christians put to death. And now he's been saved, he's been redeemed, and he says it's a faithful sin, worthy of all acceptation, that this is the universal truth, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Matthew 18, 11 says, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. The Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Do we agree with that? Do we agree with that's why Jesus came? Okay? His primary focus, again, wasn't even the donkey or the elephant. He's the lamb. He's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John 17, 18. 
angry, but we've yet already. Jesus came to seek and to save sinners. John 17, 18 says, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent him into the world. Jesus praying to his Father. Even as you have sent me, why was he sent? To see and to save sinners. To save the lost. That's what his purpose was. And he says, even so have I sent them. That's what we are to be involved in. In verse 19, it says, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither I pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So you know what Jesus, looking ahead, was praying for us. Praying for those that would one day believe God's word. Pray for us. Those that would believe on his word. And it says, believe on me through their word. That means there would be those that would believe because of the words the apostles would speak. They would give the word, they would, with their words, declare the word of God. Souls would be saved, and then those people would go out and give the word of God, and through their word, souls would be saved. And so likewise, there ought to be people that we are continually trying to work on and minister in the gospel to, giving them the word of God, giving them gospel tracts, inviting them to come to church, most importantly, giving them the word of the gospel, that they may be saved, that people may believe on your word, on the words that you speak. Now, there's often a conflict of a soul winner. You know, the, the gates of hell want to come after you. If you're giving the gospel to people, the gates of hell, the demons of hell, they want to devour you. But you know what Jesus said? I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we can go out with boldness. But you know, you tell someone they're a sinner, but they can be saved through Jesus Christ. Some people won't like it. And I'm not saying keep correcting them if they don't want to hear it. You know what Jesus did say? Okay, if they don't want to hear it, dust your feet, and then move on and tell someone else about Jesus. But don't stop telling people about Jesus. Jesus says, if they won't receive you in this city, go into another city. Keep declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. There will be opposition. The Pharisees on several occasions held counsel to see how they might destroy Jesus. Jesus shows us that the life of a soul winner will be one of conflict. He came to seek and to save the world. And what's the Bible saying? That many receive him not. He came unto his own, and they received him not. 
to those that did receive him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. Again, so while we are not to be isolated from the world, um, you know, we are to be isolated morally and in principle, okay? And in sin, we're to be separate from that. And in a sense, we are walking in the opposite direction of the world. You know, we're not following the ways of the world. You know, we push against it, we resist. You know, when, you know, if we're told to sin, when we're told not to meet, you know, we, we push against that. We're going to take a stand. We're to be in the world, but not of it. But have you ever noticed, Jesus had odd times when he would tell people to be of good cheer. Be cheerful. To be glad. You know what Peter likewise says? Peter says, you know, or Paul, Peter or Paul says, um, be glad when you suffer persecution. Rejoice when you suffer for the name of Christ. It's kind of odd. Okay, you suffer, but you rejoice. Okay? Jesus, when he said, be of good cheer, he said, in, the, in this world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. When he was walking in the middle of the storm, the disciples saw Jesus, but they didn't know it was Jesus. This was fishermen, strong, bold, masculine fishermen. Go through storms all the time. And yet in this storm, they were fearful for their lives. They were afraid. You know, when the experts are afraid, that's the time to be afraid. If those that are handling the boat, they don't know what they're doing, it's the time to be afraid. And they see Jesus, and they think it's a ghost. They're more fearful now. What Jesus say? Be in good cheer. You know, those times of tribulation, those times of trials, those storms in life, and yet our Savior says, be of good cheer. So may we apply that to today. Today's climate, today's culture. To be able to be of good cheer and not to be angry all the time. But to be of good cheer. While declaring the gospel to other people, there will be times it will bring conflict. And we're certainly not to be contentious in our disposition, but the gospel will itself offend people. But God will accomplish with his word as he pleases it to do. We're to not be ashamed of the gospel. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and your salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. He wrote to Timothy, 
Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Encourages Timothy. Don't be ashamed. You know, you're going to be persecuted. People are going to mock you. But be not ashamed. Psalm 119.46 says, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and not be ashamed. You know, the thing where we talk about faith, talk about the doctrines of Christ, giving praise to God, that it's not meant to be hidden in our walls. We ought to have the boldness where we're not ashamed to speak this before kings, before those we see in leadership. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we can get to the place where Okay, you know what? I'll share the gospel with this person. You know what? They're kind of, maybe they're not as educated, or maybe they're going through a struggle. But we fail to give the word to those we highly respect. And, you know what? And maybe just we feel ashamed to a degree. We don't want these educated highly respected people in society to mock us because of our faith. For us believing that the gospel has the answer. And we be as dishonest, not be ashamed. So Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't just try to live a good moral life. Be one that says so that you're redeemed of the Lord. Ari Tori said this, No man has the right to call himself a follower of Jesus if he is not a soul winner. Think about it. No man has the right to call himself a follower of Jesus if he's not a soul winner. I can say many times in my life, you know, I have not been following Christ as I should be. Have not been the soul winner that I should be. Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It's Jesus that said that. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That for following Jesus, Jesus is going to have us out there fishing for men. Is it possible? And if we are not fishing for men, then we are not actually following Jesus. Andrew Murray said, there are two classes of Christians, soul winners and backsliders. Personally, I've been a backslider too long, and I think as a church, we've been backsliding too long. And I understand, you know, many of us, we didn't know what to really be doing the last year. But we need to get back out there and get in the gospel out. There's no more time to wait. I say the pandemic 
was as deadly as they said it was going to be. Is that widespread? Is that really the time for Christians to step back and go, okay, let's just stay home? Or because people were dying, and there is a place called hell, and a future lake of fire, that people will go to if they receive not the gospel, that just means if in a worldwide pandemic, the urgency is more real. That we need to be more aggressive in getting the gospel out. I'm not saying don't take safety precautions, but we need to get the gospel out. We need to declare the gospel to other people. And then more so in a pandemic. John Wesley said, you only have one business, and that is the salvation of souls. And that is the most important thing. You're successful in your job, you make money, you take care of your family, all good things. But those you love and know, know and love, die, go to hell, because they never heard you share the gospel with them. It's all that temporary success really worth it. And Jesus talks about those that feel like they gained the whole world and lose their own soul. Likewise, when we gain the whole world, but you lose souls of those around you. Is they have the freedom, they have the choice. There's not a mandate where we force everybody to believe the gospel. We're just mandated to give the gospel and they're to receive it or not. But Paul was able to say that he was so faithful that there was no blood upon his hands. Seek you. Talks about those that they die in their sin. And they heard not. They won't die in their sin. But their blood will be required of the washed. That did not warn. You think about the early church. Did so much with so little. And today we have so much. And we do so little. You know, we have airplanes. We have radios. We have televisions. We have podcasts. And yet it seems like many churches including ours, I believe. You know what? And that starts with me, though as the pastor, the church. But I have lost our burden for souls. And we need to regain that. So Lord, please burden me for souls. Lord, please show me, open my eyes to the opportunities that are all around me. And Lord, give me the boldness to declare the gospel to others. Sure, we can do better. We have so many tools at our disposal. You know, when you look at the church at Thessalonica, Paul writes of them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. It says, So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering we have unto you, 
and how ye turn you God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead and when Jesus was delivered us from the wrath to come. Paul said of the church in Thessalonica that they were so evangelistic, that they had so many soul winners in that church that there really wasn't anything left for him to speak when he was there. And you know what? In the towns that they focused on really trying to get the gospel to, they heard it. There wasn't anything else for Paul to add because they already went there everywhere and, and given the gospel. And he says so much so that in every other place, they know of your faith. They know of your belief in God. They've seen that you used to worship idols, but now you serve the living God. It wasn't anything that was hidden under a bushel. Their faith was lived out and it was preached out. It was delivered out by everybody. Jesus desired in his prayer that many more souls would be saved. Pray for those that would believe in him through their word, through your word. May you and I be a people that are a vessel. May you and I be a vessel that the Lord uses to bring the gospel to people. May you and I be a vessel that people will receive a gospel track. I'm going to go get some. I think we ran out. I'm going to go get some right after services. But may we be a vessel that gets the word out. That gives gospel invitations out. Gospel tracts. That is our focus. And we may be a vessel well prepared for the master's use. Think of opportunities can use to share your faith. To give someone a gospel track. Choose in your social media account if you have one. Let me just close with this scripture. John chapter 17. That they all this continuation of Jesus' prayer. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them, has loved me. That's why God has sent us. That's why Jesus has sent us into the world. That they may know Him. That they may be able to be one in the Father and in the Son. That spiritually we're one. That they may know of the goodness of God's grace. And while they may have led a life in their sin, in the bondage of it, in the destruction of it, that there is hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
that the gospel can and will save them from their sin. Yes, we still struggle in this sin when we're in this flesh. But we will no longer be under the dominion of it. We're made free in Christ. We're going to get that message out. As Jesus said, Father, as you have sent me, even so have I sent them into the world. Not to isolate ourselves. Not to just be part of church and not be involved in the world. You know, as we go into this new year, coming up shortly, you know, the theme for the year, I don't know what the theme's going to be, but it's going to be related to soul It's going to be related to reaching others for Christ. You know, we've done a theme in the past, you know, and follow me and I'll meet the fishers of me. We're going to do some kind of theme related to that. And we're going to begin back at it, going house to house, not just house to house. I understand being a rural community, some places, it's not going to be the most effective way as far as walking an acre or two down the driveway and then having some German shepherd or pit bulls chasing. Okay? But we need to go where the people are. You know, each month, we'll try to have some kind of focus, some kind of theme. Maybe, uh, you know, my wife's been talking about, you know, one minister's in church, and she's saying, you know, herself saying, you know, going out and making the mill for the firefighters across the street. You know, I just have a day where we make the mill for them. Serve them. And, you know, you give the gospel, we can give them the gospel track, but just trying to be a blessing. Um, thank them for their service. You know, try and think maybe another month, something else. You know, there's the Napavine Fun Time Festival. It's not usually, you know, the biggest event in the county, but it's an event Napavine does have. And you know what, what good it could be if we're involved. We're there. You know, maybe we're giving out free bottles of cold water and giving them the gospel track. Asking people if they know if they died a day of heaven was either. Maybe being involved in this Centralia parade. Not isolating us from the world, but being in the world and engaged there. You know, what Jesus said, go ye therefore. He didn't say, come here, you hear and sit. Okay? Yes, we are to assemble. He did tell us to assemble. He, did. he said, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. It's the manner of some are, it's the manner of some do, Hebrews 10 25. But so much the more is he seeing the day approaching. Some have pondered and wondered if this pandemic is kind of ushering in or the beginning of the end times. I can't say for certainty if it is. I'm sure you know when World War One, World War Two came out, when other pandemics came out, people might have thought, this is it. This is the end. Okay, there's these signs being fulfilled. Now I can't say there's a lot more signs we see fulfilled now than back then. But I say it's not the end. What should we be doing? We should begin the gospel. What I say it's the end? So much more so, we need to begin the gospel. We need to be telling people about Jesus. And we need to be continuing to assemble, to be recharged. You know what? And like, if this really is the end, like some people think it is, 
Jesus said, or he had Paul, or whoever he had, right in Hebrews. Let me just read it again, so that way I get it right. Hebrews 10, verse 25. It says, not for earth, verse 24 verse. Let us consider one another to provoke and to love and the good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Some of our churches together in the same church. As the manner of summons, that there will be some that skip church services, that they skip assembling together. But it's not to be us. But exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approach. See, as we see the day approaching, as we see the end approaching, we're to be gathering more, not less. Not to be closing our doors. Not again. But even more so. We but our mission field isn't in here. Our mission field is out in these doors. Yes, we'll preach the gospel when people come here. So I give them invitations, give them tracts, invite them to church. We'll preach the gospel. Yes, we don't have what maybe a larger fancy church has. Yes, our services maybe has that awkward silence sometimes, being a smaller church, being in a rural community, but nothing in the Word of God is going to fail to accomplish what God is accomplishing to do. The Bible says He will use His Word as He pleases, that it will be used as a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. It can break that whole hard rock someone has of their need for the gospel. Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, and help me as a pastor to be a better leader and example in soaring. That be more of a priority. That yes, our schedules, my schedule gets busy. But may our schedule not be an excuse, but rather we prioritize what's most important. And getting the gospel out is the most important all things. And Lord, may you use us, use us as a vessel. May we, Lord, week by week, be able to share testimonies of people we've interacted with. Testimonies of people we've invited and able to give a gospel track to. Maybe it was the waitress at the restaurant. Maybe even the drive through window. We had, maybe we couldn't have a long conversation, but we could give them a gospel track and Lord, help us to be more soul conscious, to be more alert, to have our heart to be more softened and ready to give the gospel. And you use us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So today, so ask you, ask the Lord, how can I be a better soul? So we're going to be putting back in um, some organized outreach um, at least once a month, probably twice a month, where it'll be organized on a Saturday morning, probably from 10 to 11, and, or around 10 to 11, about 30, um, where we as a church will go out and stuff. Um, my family and I will probably be trying to go every week, 
to go out. We're going to try to schedule some different events that are already going on in the community, ways for us to get involved. And I'm not very creative, so if you could bring your creativity with us, you know, bring your creativity to the table of different types of outreach we can do in the community. You know, let's do this as a team. Let's, let's, let's say, you know what, say I personally talk to 20 people, give the gospel out, give them a track and buy them in church. And say one of the 20 have someone that comes. Now imagine if every single one of you talked to 20 people and one person came. Notice the church would be able to be involved in more, in more gospel missions. We'd be able to raise more funds to um, send more people out around the world, support more missionaries. But it could be a multiplying effect. The gospel, spreading the gospel is not simply a district. It's to be multiplication. Now you see in Acts 2 where they came in and they preached the gospel in the open. And about 3,000 souls were saved. And think about that. If each of them went out and shared the gospel, it would be a multiplication. May God use our church greater than he has in the past. May we be a part of it. So we're going to be getting outreach started this next Saturday, which is a youth conference, a fall Saturday, ministry trade, and I know Thanksgiving's coming up. Um, so, but we're going to start getting on the schedule. We're going to be trying to go every week. Sometimes it'll be Thursday or Friday. So you want to go with us personally, learn how to share the gospel, how to give tracts out. Um, you know what? Let me know, and we'll give you a come on a different day. Say Saturday doesn't work out for you. But um, we'll get, go, get going, ramping up our outreaches in church. Um, next Sunday, um, we do have our 